0: Podcast ain't played nobody. Bill. Um,
1: we have a special guest. I, yeah, me. Yeah, no, wait.
0: Um, I made a documentary TV show. I wrote a bunch of words. Um, We have been kind of parking all those questions about that to the side. Um, And now we're going to do a little special standalone edition. As you guys listen to this, it is probably early June. Uh, Bill and I are on a much-needed vacation, but not really. We're just working on other things. Um, But... If you watched the show, which, by the way, let's just get all the plugs out up front, it's Foul Play, paid in Mississippi, available on Go90. There's multiple ways to access it. Um, just check out Twitter SBNation.com for any of the specifics. Um, you see me on the phone a lot on this television show, Bill, and a lot of times, ostensibly, you can assume that I am talking to sources. Most of the time, however, Bill, I am talking, usually at, sometimes screaming, about something else to this person not at this person um but just to just appeal peel the the layers back and let you guys in behind the scenes we now welcome brian floyd our managing editor our life guru and uh i like to call him my anger sherpa floyd
2: hello there yeah it's been, uh, the best part about this was we realized the day before the story published that we were on different carriers and just racked up minutes for two years it was awesome
0: literally in the thousands so Uh, For those of you who ask questions, we're going to get to them. Um, Basically, we're just going to talk about anything and everything to do with the show. Um, This is not a normal ask PAPN, although I will do the intro Since it just popped into my mind, this is the uh, podcast name Play Nobody. It's a college football marriage of numbers and words. My name is Stephen Godfrey. You can reach me at 38 Godfrey. That's the robot Bill Connolly. He's the inventor and proprietor of the SP Plus analytics system. He wrote multiple books that you can purchase on the Amazon.com or maybe a brick and mortar shop if you live in some highfalutin area. You can reach him at SBN underscore Bill C. Bill. It's gonna be so tempting to ask Floyd a Wazoo graduate and resident of the state of uh, Washington about the Pac-12, just so we can keep the streak going of caping for the Pac-12, which has gone on for four or five episodes this this May and June. (laughs) However, instead, I will explain, um, I guess, talk about this whole process. Um, I'm actually curious, like – uh Floyd, you were there at the conception of this. Bill, you bore witness to it. Um you, you we can we can reserve the how many times I was an asshole about stuff later, um, or how awful I was to work with during different periods of time. But um well I love you too. That was a really well-timed throw <coughs> clear. Um, Excuse me, sorry <clears throat> F- Floyd, give me your recollection of um uh, because in a lot of ways this goes back to the 2014 story Meet the Bagman. Um Explain to me a little bit, like, you and Spencer Hall kind of took some information I gave randomly a couple times about different functions in the SEC and how some things worked. And then you sort of came to me and pointed and said, this is the direction you need to go in. What was – just take me back there.
2: Yeah. I I can't even remember what the story was, but you were talking through something, an idea. And within that, you were like, yeah, there's these guys that pay players called Bagman." Okay, cool. And you had mentioned like, no, I I can kind of do this. And so we said, you know, forget the other stuff, like deal with this. Um, And then I think you sat on it for a while. We finally published it right after you got hired full time. Um, But it took a lot of, Spencer was really good at at guiding the creative direction and figuring out what this was and and how to go about it. And then we all just kind of worked together on logistics. Actually, publishing the story was not easy, um, but we had a bunch of fun doing it. We were able to tell that story. And then nothing really happened for two years, right?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, It was a a long time building that first Bagman story. Um, It was really weird because we didn't know how to tell it. It was very strange, I remember, because what Bill does, um, Bill gets to be both very successful and sensational, but also prolific. And uh, <laughs> I can actually remember it was right after I got hired, and you guys said, "Go write the Bagman," and I was like, "Okay, well, I'm I'm like officially hired now. I'm not just a contributor to the to the company." And kind of like fell off the grid for a while because it was really hard to track a lot of these people down. Actually, I don't I don't know if a lot of people know this. When we first did Bagman. I think I said this in a meeting and you guys all smiled at me like I was, you know, I had just suffered head trauma. I said, we're going to go and get a bag man for every school in the Southeastern Conference, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which did not pan out unless Bill is doing something up there in Columbia that we don't know about.
1: I pay for parking passes. So, I mean, I, I pay the scholarship foundation that goes to. Uh, no, I got nothing. I got nothing. I, I'm, I got nothing. I think that does qualify you as a booster. You are a season well, ticket yes. holder. As well. okay. I am a season ticket holder, so yes.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. I'm just going to have to kind of change the way I talk to you now.
1: I did not realize that I was working with a booster I'm this a entire biased, time. I'm a big biased homer is what it comes down to.
0: Uh, well, I mean, you certainly have an anti-Kansas bent, but that's for another episode. I'm, um, so,
1: I'm also never wrong about Kansas, so I've got that going. Well, who there. is? Who is hey, other than Jason Kirk? I was about to say, somebody lost a chicken bet about Kansas not too long ago. It wasn't me.
0: Wasn't me, can't recall. Didn't happen. Um, Floyd, take me back also to the mission statement because a lot of people mm-hmm. have asked me for a long time, and it's just I feel like I'm kind of bringing in a parent or a supervisor to like justify my statements now, but the, believe it or not, the idea was not to hire someone with a degree from Ole Miss and then throw him in Mississippi for like five years who um, who's supposed to be a national sports writer. This was above all else and, and above any partisan concern. If you're a fan of whatever school, a chance to show the NCAA for what it is. And that's how it really connects to the DNA of bag man, which is, we just wanted to show this thing for what it was. It it was about the NCAA. Mm-hmm. It's over both on the podcast. There, both, <laughs> they don't call him the best in
1: business for nothing folks. I'm
0: playing um, on <coughs> it. Floyd, what I like at the time, was it like that? Seems it's weird because we take it for granted now, but nobody swings on the NCAA quite like
2: we do. <laughs> was it well, just
0: like at the time, was it just like, hey, you know what? Let's just let them
2: loose. I mean, it was as with all things of the Bagman stories, like this is all kind of an accident in a way. Um, and not yeah. an accident, like they, we did a bunch of things that kind of made things happen, but we weren't looking for this, we weren't looking for Leo Lewis, we weren't looking for anything like this specifically. Um, this. This part of the story started about two years ago in March, 2016. Um, and what we were really looking for was just like, it was a thing with Godfrey. We were just kind of looking to find a rhythm, looking to find some stories. Um, didn't really have anything. And then <clears throat> Larry Toonsell took a bond rip, or it was shown on TV on draft night. And just by stars aligning that happened again, be old Miss because the universe is karmic, cosmic, whatever. And so that was the thing that we had to point Godfrey at anyway and would have. Um, and that led down a bunch of rabbit holes that finally went to the NCA about something completely unrelated again. And they laid out the mission statement and come back. We've talked about it for a minute. And, you know, it's about protecting the integrity of the game. It's about protecting student athletes from being preyed upon. It's a lot of things you've heard, but explained in their own words. And it made sense. There was a point in the call where Steven was like, you know, this this does make sense. Like it makes sense in a vacuum. I get what these people are saying. They believe it. And we kind of paused and like, what happens if we step back from it? <clears throat> and it was funny because it was like, it all falls apart. We both just kind of looked at it and go, everything falls apart. Um, the mission statement makes a lot of sense, but you realize the thing causing all these things that cause athletes to be preyed upon, cause people to get paid is the system of amateurism and how the NCA enforces it. And so from that point forward, we were able to kind of look at it through that lens. And then also through the lens of like, who's actually suffering harm here, who was harmed by the proceedings, by what triggers the proceedings and all that and just really looking at it almost like, cause I do it this way, like a math problem.
0: Right. Um, I'm going to jump into a question real fast. And shockingly, it's going to come from a Wisconsin fan, keeping with PAP what? and tradition. Uh, Ben Pasco asks, how much do you know about big 10 recruiting as it compares to the sec? Do all the schools have bagmen, some, or should I just assume that everyone is dirty? So, uh, I welcome everyone's input here because we have, we do have, um, A collection of upbringings here i mean missouri is always interesting to me because it aspired to be a big 10 school with quote-unquote a big 10 culture it came from the big 12 it was formerly of the big eight and now it's in the sec so bill much like the state of missouri itself you're you're sort of at this crossroads of different cultures that all kind of butt up against that area floyd you have the i wouldn't say extreme opposite but it's definitely a different worldview about this kind of stuff out there it's not like it doesn't happen um it's just a different mindset and then I obviously have the tried-and-true SEC experience. Um, so my boilerplate answer, and I've been doing radio promotion all day for the TV show, is that I, my, it is my strong, informed belief that anywhere that you find millionaire boosters um, that are more passionate about winning football games than anything else in their life, and you find an unemployed labor force, this is going to be happening. It's not about you or your rival or some other conference or, you know, a lot of people when when Bagman first came out. Um, do you guys remember the first comment on the Bagman story?
2: <laughs> of course. F the SEC.
0: Yes, F the SEC from a Michigan State fan. So, um, you know, hindsight and all, Michigan <laughs> State not immune to their own scandals. I think Michigan State and all their fans right now would probably trade straight up with uh, with Ole Miss. I think that's a fair. I don't know. Maybe not because they're on they're not on probation for all the horrible things that have gone on at Michigan State. They're not on probation, so I don't know. Maybe that's a maybe that's the world's worst like uh, radio hit conversation
1: topic we could have is like would Baylor swap places with Ole Miss? <laughs> but let's not. Let's you not know? even. Uh, let's not entertain that too much.
0: I say Baylor and Bill and I just automatically get no, stressed. No. Um, <laughs> Floyd, do you, um, let's just be naive. Um, is, is this, does this happen out West and is this shocking out West? And what is the, what is the prerogative of PAC 12 fans when they, when they see and read this kind of
2: stuff? I mean, it does happen out West and like at the same time, this case was going on. Another fun case was going on, um, in parallel with USC and USC is obviously the example they hold up. Say, Hey, it's cheating out West too, but, everyone does it. If like, you know, I'm a Washington state grad. It's kind of bottom of the barrel in terms of money and prestige in the pac 12. And there's been stories going back to Ryan Leaf's day about players getting paid agents, doing favors, things like that happening there as well. It happens. You can reasonably assume that many, many, many schools, if not all are dirty in some way, it just may not look as big and grandiose as um, it may look in the sec at times, but where there is college football, there's usually inducements to yeah. play.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's at the G5 level. Um, I spoke with a former G5 assistant a couple, I guess a couple of years ago now, where he was just talking about, you know, the creative links to which recruits will uh, have, you know, things enter their possession through, you know, if not Bagman, then, you know, maybe churches. Uh, lots of interesting uh, formats for this entire. Industry uh, that we do not acknowledge or or speak of in any way. I mean, of course, it's going to go all the way down because, like you said, you this is a we called it an unemployed uh, or an underemployed or an underpaid or an unpaid whatever you know whatever term we want to use. Uh, It is certainly. A, a piece of the population that is not making the money. It probably brings into the school. Uh, and you know, you are going to be induced one way or the other to maybe choose one school over another. And it's going to, some sort of this is going to come into play even if it's different at different levels.
0: Patrick Howell. Um, I always, I, I, just out of curiosity, I will check and see if there's like an immediate affiliation on a Twitter handle for a particular school. I don't see one on Patrick's account. Um, what can I do to support my local bagman? <laughs> I want to make sure athletes are compensated for their labor regardless of racist and outdated NCAA football regulations. Um, you know, he, there's a lot of questions about this. How can I become a bagman? How can I hurt <laughs> How can I hurt the other bagman on the like com, you know competing schools, all this kind of stuff. Um uh, I'll just go ahead and lump this question in as well from Mason Moore. He says, uh, how do I become a bagman to my rival and how much money do I have to spend for them to get the death penalty? Um, I will say, all joking aside, Mason, the death penalty is a figment of all of our imaginations in, to- in 2018. Um, more so than any moral outrage or change in bylaw or review or enforcement structure, the concept of taking a Power 5 program off of television would affect – upwards of millions and millions and millions and maybe even a hundred million dollars when you look at some of the structures of these deals when it gets to conference play that will never happen uh the ncaa will never do it um they're never going to expressly say that the death penalty is off the table but it will never happen because the power lies in the television contracts now how do you become a bag man uh chances are you shouldn't and you won't um but we kind of touched on this in the original Bagman article. It takes a long, long time, and it's it's about small gestures, and it's about knowing a lot of people over a long period of time. Um, one of the interesting things about this story was one of the Bagmen uh, specifically who paid Lewis to attend Ole Miss was not sort of in the operating system at, at Ole Miss, as far as we could as as far as we could find out. He was not someone who was in the regular compensation structure, and therefore made a lot of rookie errors and got caught, got, got exposed and you know, his text messages and phone numbers and all this, they show up. Um, that's a good cautionary tale. He's kind of the scarecrow in the field right now. You don't want to, you don't want to freelance when you do this. There's a reason why the mafia doesn't take applications. How's that?
1: <laughs> uh, and to tie this question in with, with, uh, the current line of thinking, this is maybe my favorite, uh, hashtag ask PAP in question ever. Uh, our friend Ig- at igneous vest who only has two followers and has and deserves a lot more for this uh tweet he goes by senior iowa football nepotism correspondent <clears throat> enjoy project x since the NCAA is obviously exploitative are the holier than their thou types parentheses michigan immoral if they're not paying players as they claim uh that that um That was beautiful. I I, I have no response. There was no response uh, that really needs to be given, but that was a wonderful uh, spin and frame of a a lot of different arguments that we've had over the last few years. So just uh, kudos (laughs) and somebody follow him so that he has more than two followers.
0: So since my since one of my bosses is actually on the line right now, I will be careful in how I tread and pushing along particular Internet rival rivalries. Um, He actually repeated his question when we solicited for questions this morning, and he included Notre Dame, not just Michigan. Um, He said specifically, is the NCAA exploitative parentheses? It is. And our fans of schools that pride, pride themselves on not paying players, Michigan, Notre Dame, et cetera, immoral for supporting a chattel slavery system. So he doubled down. Ooh. When you get a chance to edit and go back out there a second time, you really you can nail it. Um, it's a joke, um, but there's some truth to it. I think that, and I'm, I'm not trying to further any any nonsense that goes on on Twitter, but there is a perception that is really baked in to the bone in certain fan bases mainly in one part of the country that there is just a gross immoral corrupt system running around the south and you know texas and parts of the west that they you know that they don't do because they are michigan men or because notre dame is higher because of you know it's godly connections um I, I, wanted, I want to be kind and not kind of land the, the roundhouse that I could here. The bottom line is you are at best naive. At best, you are uninformed and naive. Um, this is not about any kind of level of competition or partisanship. The bottom line is whether you hate Ole Miss or you hate Mississippi State or you hate USC or you hate North Carolina or whatever, um, this is just a function of life down here. I think it's more pronounced in the South. It's so funny. Every time I do media up north, it's always they always want to frame it around the South. You know, Capital S. The South being anything from like Richmond, Virginia, to El Paso, Texas. Um, there is an economic disparity that exists in a lot of the a lot of the states in the South. And on the on the negative side of that economic disparity, you find a lot of the labor force in the NCAA. So I don't know if it's as it's as pronounced in the Midwest because of that, but the Midwest is not exactly an economic powerhouse right now. And again, I think it lends itself back to a certain, a certain willing denial on the part of schools whose branding includes um, a false sense of piousness. Is that that's the nicest way I can say that, you guys? I'm using 300 words to try and avoid being. Yeah, me. you're
1: acting like Floyd's not going to see. You know, the next time you. Talk smack about Michigan um, on Twitter. You're acting like he's not going to see that. You just don't want to do it in front of him. <laughs>
0: I'm trying to be a better man in front of my boss. That's I mean, all. look, you're
2: all cheating anyway. And the sooner you accept that, um, the more freeing life is. It's kind of a, a couple-step process. You need to accept that people around you are cheating, and you are too. It's not an excuse for winning or losing because it, it is what it is. But you accept people are cheating good. That's step one. Step two is accepting what's wrong with that. It's not the cheating itself, but it's the thing that encourages it
0: if i was being that point
2: and go ahead
0: no i was just uh, no sorry you were making a salient point
2: i was just no i, I, I mean once I, you get to that point you realize like just how messed up this can be is that people are cheating and the act of paying players um is not unacceptable you're playing payers for this playing pay playing paying players for their services and filling a void that isn't being filled by the schools for, for their own reasons um and for the, the ncaa's own reasons so just accepting that um one, that everyone's cheating, fine, whatever. And two, you know, taking a hard look at why they're cheating, um, and coming to your own conclusions, I think is an important part of all this. It's a big old mess. Um,
0: I'll address it head on, just because I think people have taken it out of context. I I mess with MGo blog and and I know a lot of the guys that work at MGo blog except the main guy Brian, who Bill, you know, right? Yeah,
1: he's always been uh, very nice to me, and I've always been very nice to him. So you know. So I was
0: in a hotel room one night after covering the LSU Florida game season before last, and out of literally out of nowhere, I was sitting there like drinking coffee and working on a story, and I think he was drunk, and and just came at me. Um Vanderbilt was beating Ole Miss uh, on TV and kind of started just jumping all over the mentions about Laquan Treadwell, who at one time was a Michigan verbal. Under Brady Hoke, he's from Crete, Illinois. His teammate, Anthony Standifer, was on the roster at Ole Miss when he was recruited to Ole Miss. Um, and Treadwell, for whatever it's worth, never comes up in any of the NCAA investigation. He's one of those names that's sort of thrown around in the speculation because he was the top-rated wide receiver. And he came from a place like Illinois to a place like Ole Miss in 2013, which just immediately rings alarm bells. And, and that's fine. I mean, that's natural. Um, he jumped on me about the 2016 reporting thing, which is something we can talk about in a second. Because as Floyd knows, I I really wore that cross internally uh, and was very frustrated, and I'm, and honestly very grateful that SB Nation allowed me to probably insert more voice than I normally do into these pieces, and and even use the first person, which is not something I do commonly, and talk about. The deception and the misinformation campaign that was carried out by Ole Miss and Hugh Freeze in January of 2016. And so, Imgo blog kind of jumped on that. Hey, you were carrying water, da 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 da. The bottom line is uh, I think people get hurt and angry and upset when they lose in this battle, when they lose, when their school gets outbid or, or power programs that do this so consistently you know, suck up the talent. That's when people want to talk to the NCAA. That's when boosters want to send in tips. Um, I get that. I understand that. And one of the things I actually talked to Floyd a lot about was my perspective, having gone to Ole Miss and the way that we talked about Mississippi state, because Floyd Wazoo's a lot of fun things on the internet. We talk about the fireball and the crazy, the crazy fans and Mike Leach and all this stuff. But wazoo is a you know land grant school in the middle of nowhere much like mississippi state they have an in-state rival in washington that's a lot like ole miss and that they're you know sort of toity liberal arts um you know kind of a more concentration of power in terms of you know creating lawmakers in the state and that sort of thing so from your ag school uh, redneck perspective um Mm -hmm. I think you can, you can relate. And, and those, you know, it wasn't too long ago that, you know, your two schools were, were both buckshot and, you know, terrible. And there's that horrible feeling when you're fighting to get out of the basement that your neighbor's
2: going to do it first. Mm-hmm. And that was true the entire time. And Washington does come back quicker and did come back quicker from that. And as it's happening, you could just kind of see like, Oh, this was the chance and we don't get it. And it was interesting just throughout the story, that whole dynamic was kind of on, on, on display throughout the, the whole thing it was the ag school versus the, you know, the, the other school in the state, uh, which is Washington and, and WSU being the ag school. And like this relationship is not, you know, unique. Um, however, it burns with a, a certain passion in, in Mississippi, but it was incredibly relatable. And from my side, I was like, okay, you know, you're looking for any way you can to kind of one up your rival and, and keep them down to be honest, because that's what you have to hang on to a lot of the times at the ag school or at the land grant school. Um, and so it was interesting to watch that that dynamic throughout this and just kind of understand, like, OK, you know, different part of the world, but it still kind of works the same. Yeah, I
1: grew up with Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. It was the exact same dynamics to a T.
0: I think that uh, one thing we should be super clear about is I, I thought the final story, Crooked Letters we really, really, really did our due diligence. And we, you know, we contacted everyone involved in the story. I contacted the Mississippi state reporter, Steve Robertson, who kind of brought down freeze, who is, you know, an unabashed admitted Mississippi state Homer. Um, and I, I, kind of, I talked over things with him and how they felt like they were portrayed or sort of, you know, they being both Mississippi state, but also how, you know, what his role was, I wanted to be as, fair to them as humanly possible and of course they vehemently disagree and believe that i am part of some sort of like rebel agenda for pointing <laughs> out the discrepancy the lewis testimony the involvement of dan mullen and the in the magical appearance of mississippi state players and of course they also defend the valiant honor of the ncaa's enforcement arm and most fan bases do uphold the values of the ncaa's enforcement arm when they are coming down like hellfire on their rival that's kind of how partisanship works so None of that surprising, but I just want to be clear. Like if you are, if you want to cheat, you need to read this article because (laughs) Mississippi state pulls it off. And I mean, just like you kiss the fingers. It is just magnificent how they were able to compensate Lewis, have the NCAA find out and then essentially shrug at him. It's like that line on Westworld, the, you know, enforcement basically looked at the payment that he received from his teammates, father and said, that doesn't look like anything to me. Um, that's how you do it. Find a member of the fi, find someone who has a pre established relationship with a recruit that does not involve any kind of boosterism and funnel the money through them. It, that's been people have been doing that for a long time. This case illustrated a really smart way of going about getting in the money and creating one extra person in the middle that really gums up any kind of indictment that the NCAA could have in terms of labeling someone a booster. It was really smart to be totally honest.
1: <laughs> so, all right, so using Lewis then as a jumping off point, let's um let's circle back to kind of what I thought was the most interesting part of crooked letters itself. I mean, the, the, the TV show too, but the the written piece did a really nice job of just hammering this point and coming back to it and hammering it again. So the NCAA's mission. This is what Floyd was talking about. Uh, you know, the thing that just falls apart the moment you stare at it for more than about five seconds. Um, in in your piece, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote your piece here. So uh, you should get to know NCAA enforcement, the policing arm of the NCAA's mission to quote protect the game unquote. The NCAA released a statement. Um, which says the NCAA is always interested in pursuing behaviors that harm college sports, including recruiting violations. When the enforcement staff receives information regarding potential violations, we thoroughly review that information to determine what happens. And this is Godfrey's voice. If you believe the NCAA, the enforcement staff exists in order to protect the student athlete. But while the modern NCAA has shown itself to be toothless in policing actual criminal scandals from Baylor to Michigan State, uh, neither in the SEC, Uh, Among its, quote, membership of coaches, uh, administrators and student athletes, they've maintained a vigilant effort to stop the black market for player compensation. Why? Because if players work has been demonstrated, has demonstrated market value beyond the tuition and stipends and meal plans that schools provide, then that lays waste to the NCAA's position that they are amateurs. And so basically... Uh, the the NCAA's mission is to protect amateurism and to protect student-athletes as, uh, you know, from becoming something other than their definition of student-athletes. And it really does like the, that, that is the most cynical possible definition. And um, I think, you know, while we at SB Nation do hammer the NCAA for this a little harder than others, I think, the sentiment uh, just in general of, of for for or against player compensation and all that has changed dramatically over the last three decades. And really, I, I think we, we might have talked about this before, but the 30 for 30 on SMU um, or, or even the 30 for 30 on Miami, just like when, when we're watching this on Twitter and interacting with people um SMU and Miami both kind of in, in the 2010s are almost, they're not viewed as the good guys necessarily, but they're not viewed as the bad guys. Uh, it, it has the, the sentiment in general for how bad you know michigan aside how bad paying players is and whatnot i think has changed dramatically mm-hmm. uh over the last few decades and, and it's been kind of an interesting shift that i don't think i completely realized until talking to people about the 30 for 30s until watching uh, godfrey interact with people about this and whatnot it's been it's been eye-opening and i think it's been well i mean it's been a positive i think
0: Well, let's, so I'll ask this to Floyd again, because Floyd has a really weird job because it's something I I can't even fathom, let alone do not the organization part. We know I'm bad enough at that, but the going into these executive level meetings at our company and talking, really trying to, to put fingers on zeitgeist and trend and, you know, looking at media as a, as a predict, you know, a, a predictive source to, to to be a year ahead of something or to, to seize upon a conversation that needs to be amplified. Floyd, when did you feel like we changed and came around on this on, on, on the, and what I mean by this is the, I guess, what can we all say general acceptance that college football fans know that this goes on and they don't clutch pearls about it.
2: I think we, as like ourselves, it was, the Bagman story. When we just put it out of the open and the way that we wrote that and it's kind of informed how we've wrote things since. But up until that point a lot of the stories that you saw about players getting paid or whatever were framed as scandal. Here are the big details of this scandal. Here's dollar figures. Here's jet skis in Miami, here's tattoos in Ohio state, all that. His friend is we found this scandal and we came out with the bag man and said, Hey, look, we're going to tell you how players get paid. It's not a scandal. We're just going to give you a walkthrough of how this is in our own way. It's going to be funny, silly, have some over the top illustrations, but also you're going to learn something. We're not going to tell you where that money went or who did it. And it doesn't matter to this story. It's about how the mechanism of this works. And I think for us, that's what kind of started to change it. The other thing that sticks out in my mind was um, and it's, both funny and illuminating was when, um, the person who was shopping the video of Todd Gurley autographing memorabilia came out. Uh, it was tipped to Spencer at the time who forwarded it to, I think Jason, me and Godfrey with an expletive that said, basically, fuck this. We're not dealing with this bullshit. And then instead of, um, Talking about the scandal of Todd Gurley, we turned it on the guy who was trying to wrap this thing out, who was playing who was allegedly paying Todd Gurley to autograph things and then trying to leak it to the media. What's worse? Being a player and taking some money or being blackmailed? And we That's kind of how we end up looking at stuff like that.
0: We took a lot of heat from that in the journalism community and sports writing. Um a lot. We took a lot of criticism from people who are prominent voices in college football media because we just didn't care about the alleged crime, and still don't. I mean, I really think that was that was the mantra. It was it was weird to me because fans and readers, and and not just the SB Nation community, but people in general, you run into at a bar or you know you tell someone what you do for a living and you start talking about the sport. They all seem to have the same temperature, but when I go on these radio tours to promote these things, it's. There, there's a certain level, and I don't want to. It's not just a line of age discrimination, on, I, I, because you know we made the jokes about like there's these little islands of Michigan and Notre Dame fans, and you know it, we pick on them, but there are others out there that just really feel like this is this is a, a true moral sin, and they're doing it quote unquote the right way. Um, it's just weird. The media is far more negative and repulsed by this than than their audience, which says something about the media, I guess.
2: Yeah, and it, it it depends on how you look at this. The thing that I try to remind myself when looking at it is like, what's actually illegal here, and what is what what's illegal and what's against rules that are just kind of arbitrarily decided, um, and and get more and more complicated. And a lot of times, paying the player money isn't illegal. It's against NCAA rules, but like, is it a crime? Probably not, um, unless you're finding an elaborate way to pay them, which maybe, but. You know what's actually wrong and illegal, and when you look at it as like, well, the NCA told me this is bad. That's where I just kind of stop. I'm like, I don't. Why do I need the NCA to tell me this is bad? I can decide for myself.
1: I do think though that it kind of eliminates too that you know we are the voice is growing, but we're still probably, if not a minority, then a very very uh, slim majority. Um, I was talking about you know interacting with people on Twitter. Well, I mean, a lot, most people aren't on Twitter, so that really I guess does home in on your uh, on your audience. But like, how how wh- the voice is shifting, and that's great. But then, how does this actually? Change. I mean, part of it is, you know, as people, I realize as people, you know, as younger people who grew up in a different quote unquote era, as, as they get into uh, journalism and start replacing older people, then those, you know, opinions get kind of sifted away and whatnot. But how does the sentiment change on a grand scale to the point where the NCAA actually has to do something about it?
0: It's funny you ask that, Bill, because one of our one of our listeners did as well. At Sodam Dashing says, ask PAPN, given your knowledge of so many bag men, and women, bag people. Uh, what would it take for the NCAA to recognize the systemic quality of this issue? Every P five school coming out and saying, "Yeah, we have bag people." So what? <laughs> um, I again, I, I kind of have to develop a boilerplate answer for some of this stuff. Although, like the, the great thing about PAPN is we can sit here and ramble about it. But I guess the, the like the short radio answer I've been given for the past three days is like, also, I'm I'm a myopic person. Like nothing's going to change in my opinion because the money hasn't changed. One of the things that was really, really hard to do in this story and made me a very miserable and person miserable to be around, too, for a while was Brian and several other people at Espionation, as we were putting the television show together, it was part of the agreement in the show that we would accompany this with a written piece, which is it's hard enough to make a TV show. It's even harder to do one of these pieces and then to do them simultaneously and kind of have them at least if not speak, you know, if not dovetail in their narrative, at least be complementary of one another. I had to figure out a frame for this, right? I had to figure out, like, what did we all learn here? Why are we doing this? If I'm writing an authoritative piece that goes all the way back to Houston Nutt being a bad football coach and ending in the smoldering ruins, you know, of, of Covington, Kentucky, what was the point of all this? And and I guess it's a cop-out, at least in the opinion of some people, but my point was that there is no point of this. Um, I don't think anything changed. I, in fact, I can tell you, in 2019, Bud Elliott's been on the show before, 2019 is going to be arguably Mississippi's best recruiting class, the state of Mississippi's best recruiting class in history. And so you have the two in-state schools and you have the G5s and you have a, a lot of other P5s that are in the state recruiting right now. It's not like the state of Mississippi got hit with a $200 million cash incentive all of a sudden. These people got pulled out of poverty right it's not like we're giving stipends to current players nothing changed so everyone asks like oh you know why is this different or what did the old miss case teach anyone it's like just just don't get caught but bill to your point like as far as pushing the conversation i I mean i i think the only thing that makes people in power you know worry is taking away the power which in this case is the money so really the question i'll pose back to y'all is how do you affect the how do you affect the ends on this how do you affect them financially to make to make them create change
1: it's lawsuits right yeah. I mean in that like we're just basically praying that the courts do something that forces the in to make a, uh, a make a thing make a make a change of some sort and i I really I realized we were all very unanimous in our reaction to the Condoleezza Rice uh, report that the that the NCAA asked uh, for her group to produce about uh, the current state of basketball and recruiting and whatnot. Um, and I know we were all very frustrated that she, you know, basically went out of her way to not acknowledge the single biggest issue involving all of this, which is, you know, players making money off their likeness and whatnot. There wasn't a word about that in the report. And in interviews afterwards, she said, well, we couldn't say anything in the report because of uh, pending lawsuits and whatnot which was a complete and total cop-out because it wasn't a legal document she could have said it was a list of recommendations she could have said whatever she wanted to in the report um and so but you know she took the biggest single biggest issue right off the table because of quote unquote lawsuits but that's that's where it is if one of these sticks in the ncaa some somehow, some way, the NCAA has to acknowledge uh, that a times have changed, and B the the definition of student athlete was cynical from the start, uh, and and was really just a, a way of, of avoiding playing uh, paying player compensation. Then that's really the only way this changes, because otherwise, you know, sentiment grows, but the people in charge are making the money they want to make, and so they don't have any reason to change. You have to take that money away, and that that's not going to come from us. It's going to come from where the Floyd
0: has to step in sometimes and and refocus me and call me down. Is is you know, and, and this is me sort of publicly copping to. I don't know if it's a weakness, but it's definitely frustration. Like journalists get naive. I think you have to make yourself naive to get the work done sometimes. And then I have to kind of pull myself back into my normal normal, cynical ways. So in the middle of doing this, you really have to feel like you're not affecting change, like affecting the NCAA's decision on Ole Miss one way or the other. I could give a shit regardless of what people thought. My thing was about let's show the system. Let's, let's show how broken the system is because then when people see how broken things are, they're going to... They're going to rattle their sabers. They're going to use whatever influence they have, even as a base-level consumer of the product, and, and, and fight for change. Of course, you know, none of that happens, and I don't expect that from the establishment. A, a good rule in America is that people with power don't give it up, and if you give the, if you <laughs> give the labor force in college football power, you are, you are conceding in a tremendous amount of power. So that doesn't make me mad. That's logical. I think where I get furious is when that and Bill, we let off uh, uh, an episode with the with the Condoleezza Rice stuff what a month ago.
1: Yeah, I whatever that was. A, time as a concept, I don't know.
0: I, I the reason I remember this is I was on the phone with Floyd because I had just filed draft one point five of that of the crooked letters opus. I was exhausted, and this stuff comes out, and it's one thing for them to do the sham committee and the sham statement and do their normal sham thing at the NCAA. Like I don't get mad about that. That's just my target. That's what I'm tasked with doing. Where I got frustrated was this, this chorus of kiss-ass media that comes out and says, what did you guys expect? What did you guys expect? <laughs> well, what we expected was you, the NCAA not to be that disgustingly pandering and disingenuous. If you're going to put together a commission to study the, the scandal that's going on with the FBI and basketball and not address the one thing that could fix all of this – yeah, we, we do expect you, I mean, if you're if you're going to be that pandering, we're going to criticize you back for it.
2: Yeah, and a lot of what they're finding in all that, too, is is that a lot of these things now are having kind of some real legal implications on the back end. So, you know, college basketball players potentially being paid to companies, all that. The FBI is involved. The FBI is a very real investigative arm, and, you know, that may force you to do something. Additionally, it feels like, and I may be wrong, uh, but it feels like there's more of these kinds of lawsuits happening as lawyers are testing the NCA as well. Um, in all this, whether it's USC or um, it'll miss with what's going on there and, and how that can kind of like take things at the NCA, but all of you, right? Like there's public opinion, which cool. And like, that's something that just shining a light on how this happens um, allows people to make their own judgments. But really what would change something is more powerful people than us and um, lawyers that, create exposure and precedent in some of these cases that might make the NCAA uneasy about continuing to go this route is I guess the question back to both of you though is when could you see a day when players could get paid in terms of fine like in terms of time frame is this five years ten years 25 years not in our lifetime
0: I think before I answer it I'd have to ask what how you address title nine to me that's the big that's the mm-hmm. big hang-up you could yeah. address it next year if not for title nine
1: Well, right. And this is where I wanted to get to is um, like if 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 the NCAA called the three of us tomorrow and said, here, we okay, fine, we need to make a change. We're going to put you three in charge of it. Um, I'm not going to hold out hope that that happens. But if it does, how do you go about it? Because it is is tricky, like tile nine and all these other things. Like what I I think what frustrates me is we haven't even gotten to the stage where we could acknowledge the Olympic model yet. I mean, I've obviously written about the Olympic model before. A lot of people have but you don't even have to like go through your university. You don't have to, because that does introduce title IX issues uh of, you know, you can't just pay the football team. You have to pay a certain amount uh or you have to play, pay all scholarship athletes or whatever. And do they have to make the same amount? And is it one pool for women and one for men? There are all these weird issues that would take a very long time, but it, either in the meantime, or just instead of you can go the Olympic model route uh and, and try to address that because it is weird and it is complicated. And I, I get kind of, we all have at one point or another said something to the effect of you know just pay the players already or something like that Mm -hmm. and it's not nearly that easy mm-hmm. and i acknowledge that easy it's just that we haven't even gotten to the point of, of figure trying to figure out the how of that it's just basically we say just pay the players and the other side says well what about this one thing uh clearly we can't because of this what blah blah, blah 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 and we don't ever actually get anywhere with the conversation
2: so on that thing too i guess my biggest issue with all of it is if we were to take the amount of time spent enforcing Filing lawsuits, doing all of that in the state of amateurism, and redirect that to figuring out a model to pay players. You know how quick we could probably figure that out. Oh yeah, that's hi, what kills me. We're hi, still hi. stuck on the initial, you know, is this a thing? And you can kind of see things crumbling, and you're just fighting for your life with that. And it's like, why?
1: and and you see that in politics
2: all the time i mean that's mm-hmm. the way it is because
1: like you were saying with power godfrey that's as soon as you get as soon as you acknowledge reality or acknowledge that this situation is actually like this you're done and it's just a question of how fast you lose everything unravels on you so i i i get it i hate it but i get it and um it just like sometimes I guess in this case, the courts have to acknowledge, make you acknowledge reality and then go from there. But I don't know. At CFB
0: manifesto asks what has changed in bagman culture in the South over the, over the years to where, for instance, Alabama goes from having the Albert mean scandal to being apparently squeaky clean. As far as the NCAA is concerned. Now real quick, let's figure out what's changed at Alabama since the Albert mean scandal. (laughs) (laughs) And right now,
2: Hmm. A master organizer and CEO showed up
0: one day. This doesn't have anything to do with schools and and your perception of their perceived favoritism by the league or by the NCAA or or by cops or whatever. The bottom line is, if you're organized and you're smart, chances are you're not going to get caught. Does it help that you have that you you? go to a program where there is a history of winning national championships. And so when you bring in top tier talent, it doesn't seem as alarming. It doesn't raise as many eyebrows. Yeah, absolutely. It helps a whole lot. But you know, one of my favorite lines of bills is college football hates usurper. However, it's not, you know, you're, it's not impossible to become one. In fact, it's, we're seeing now that it's becoming common. They don't ever seem to break the ceiling, but becoming an eight to 10 win team, even in the Southeastern conference for a program like Ole Miss, Mississippi state, South Carolina. I mean, you know, it really anybody who, I mean, there's, there's 14 teams. And if you want to create a bottom seven and a top seven, you know, that bottom seven, it's possible. Honestly, I I would put up James Franklin and Vanderbilt if they had, they stayed together for at least a couple more years before the sec East had a chance to recover from some of its own problems. So, It's not impossible to become a power and to become a winner, for lack of a better term. Um, I think there was just so much hubris involved and so much – I mean honestly, maybe because I'm just tired at the end of a media tour, dumb shit that Ole Miss did or didn't do, or then tried to cover up. I mean, <laughs> another another tough thing for me was trying to tie in all of these different stories that I've written over the, ca- the course of four years and then create like a linear narrative. You know, um, this happens, so because of this, this happens, so because of this. And you, you get into causation. It's one of the things that uh, Brian and I talked a lot about. It's one of the things that Nate Scott, my my features editor, and I talked a lot about. Um if you play the causation game, which I know is dangerous, like all UCF jokes aside, when we do causation with wins, losses, and that kind of stuff, like it tends to fall apart. Bill's very good at debunking that. This is a different circumstance. And the bottom line is, in January 2016, if you Freeze and Ole Miss decide not to create this big lie that gives them a temporary gain in recruiting but a long-term deficit, because we all found out, because the NCAA came out and publicly said when they delivered the NOA, and they knew that. They knew they were going to get caught. Still, it still astounds me to this day. They <laughs> but left instead just, of that oh, – Go ahead.
2: Oh, They left so many stupid breadcrumbs. You made that point in the story that the NCAA was already on campus the whole time. And then you brought in a <laughs> bunch of people that just tripped all over themselves and left so many crumbs for the NCA that you almost had to be stupid not to stumble into something as an investigator.
1: And then as you point out, if Tunsil, if that Tunsil thing doesn't happen after everything else happens, yeah, yeah. the Tunsil thing doesn't happen, it still might not go down the way it does. And and if Freeze doesn't, you know, contact, you know, certain, uh, you know, what was it, Tampa? Was that the area that code? Yes, the Tampa name? area code. Was mis- yeah. The, the, the we, escort we, service we, came from. If he doesn't call that from like a state phone, then right. he's, he's probably still the
0: head coach. Oh, absolutely. And the bottom line is when you, when you work it backwards, it all comes down to this in January of 2016, rather than lying to me and lying to, and not only that, but telling their entire network of people, staff, coaches, boosters, everyone kind of carried the same bucket of water, but had they decided not to do that and they done what, what any other self-respecting national power would have done, which is, um, I think it's Brett McMurphy was the first person, according to the phone records that called if that first person calls Hugh freeze, and instead of feeding him that bullshit, he just says, "Hey, uh, you know what? We're looking into it. Uh, you know we don't know right now, we'll be in touch." Th- that v- A version of that is basically what you're going to get at a, in a normal situation there, right? Even off the record, because they don't know what to say yet, and, and they're a little worried about their messaging. Instead, they concoct this this lie, and you can easily follow that into blaming Houston Nutt, pissing off Houston Nut. Houston not getting a lawyer, that lawyer getting the phone records, and just by happenstance in those phone records when they're looking for something else entirely is a massage service. He got fired for that. The, the Ole Miss lawyers and athletic department, they doubled down on Hugh Fee- Freeze. They tripled down on Hugh Freeze. He was not going to get fired for the NCAA stuff. And also, I, I, this, this bears mentioning again. We're talking about winners and losers in this. Houston Nutt was unhirable because he was one of the <laughs> laziest, sloppiest coaches in college football when he was let go by Ole Miss. There's a great Red Cup Rebellion post where they literally figured out after he was a lame duck coach in his last season that the signs they were holding up were not dummy signs. It was actually like just a base of like three or four signs. And, and the fans in the stands that night could figure out if it was going to be a run or pass play. And in the third and fourth quarter, they called every one of them right beforehand. There's, it, it exists somewhere. Houston Nutt was just lazy. He had coaches commit NCAA violations under his watch. It's the exact same thing that happened with Freeze. But he yeah, was unhirable from 2011 to 2016. Then we report what we do. The AP, ESPN, CBS, everybody else does as well. And Houston Nutt, look, this is smart lawyering, y'all. He was able to have a lawyer state publicly – The reason why I couldn't get a job all this time was because Hugh Freeze and Ole Miss said something in 2016.
2: That's brilliant, man. What happened to the other five years where you just sucked? And then to cap that off, he pulled the same move that was pulled on him by Arkansas to get a different coach who replaced him at Ole Miss Fired, which was a chef's kiss moment for all of us last December. That was pretty rich. It's pretty
0: amazing.
1: So all right, um, yeah, we, we got ten or fifteen minutes left here. Um, I wanted to kind of take this in a new direction. Uh, you you're probably tired of talking about this by now. I would assume you've done. I'm guessing approximately you know 365 uh, radio hits uh, since this went up on Tuesday.
2: Yeah, it feels like something it. like that.
1: Wednesday, Wednesday. So I, I joked about this on PAPN last week, but I mean, this is the, this is basically you now own this saga more or less this was your album is complete the Bagman album uh has hit the charts uh you've toured off of it um and so now you are in a position to start piecing together your second album are you going new age here you go on to kind of you, you, are you serious right you, now you sound like my dad
0: my dad did. called me the other day and he was like so what next i'm telling I was like, you i don't I don't know, check into rehab and sleep for a while. Like,
1: <laughs> well, you know, I, I warned you that this was coming last week. So, you know, but no, like I, what, uh,
0: the, the, the stress at different points of this from legal review to balancing sources to just general anxiety and the frustration of of putting all this together. I was like uh, about half and uh, half drunk the other night when I realized I was like, I just put my kids to bed and then, then got drunk. I promise. Don't call. Don't call child services on me. I was sitting there thinking, like I had two kids. I had two kids in the time that this took. <laughs> <laughs> One of them's about to be four. Damn, y'all. Um, I don't know, Bill. I have absolutely no idea. I'm getting phone calls right now as we record this. Um, uh, we've talked in terms. I, I don't know. I, I, I want to say something naive, and maybe you know Floyd would stop me from saying it. But like, I feel like the next time the NCAA screws up, we want to be there. And, and the, it isn't so much as a next time, is it? That we it's probably happening right now.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's no doubt about that.
2: Floyd, is that fair to say? Oh yeah. I mean, like we <laughs> just to distract you, we started talking about what was next before the story was out. Yeah. But um, you know, there's a bunch of different things. It's just it, one of the struggles the entire time with this was that you can't remake that original Bagman and that original Bagman feeling. That was kind of a once and a whatever and. You know, it was putting aside that and, and be like, you know what, I'm not chasing a big story. We're going to chase some little stuff and see what it added, adds up to. And eventually it turned into a big story that kind of caught that level of bagman. man. But um, just aiming for the fences we found was difficult. And the way this story came together was just aiming at little stuff, some of it unrelated. And it was like, oh, okay, there's a story here and we're going to track this down and it turned into something bigger and bigger. But I don't know, like... That's one that I think you know. We're all going to sit down and talk about. Is like, what topic do we want next? We'll figure out the story that goes into it. But is there kind of a section in sports that we want I I, right I I do so think
0: that there's a danger in becoming an evangelist, and w- you know, I don't know how much. Uh, I, I hate saying this because then it's gonna it's gonna happen. But I don't know if you can get a better example than what happened between Lewis, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and the NCAA as to how corrupted and messy this thing got and, and what the ncaa is willing to do and if i keep doing this and keep chasing it then I, I you know there are other stories to tell there's other things to do um but it is something that we want to be persistent about
1: so you're going to basically you're going to travel the world you're going to travel the world for a little while you're going to go visit the maharishi yeah that's uh, that's what i'm going to do well maharishi's the maharishi's dead i believe but um you're going to go find your muse mm-hmm. and when you're ready you're ready you paying for this sure okay yeah i'll get right i'll get right on my moderation.
0: <laughs> i'm gonna go drive down to the beach and see my kids um yeah that, i i don't know what's next i mean this is five years it's weird like it's an existential crisis believe me <laughs> and, and that's, why, that's why we had floyd on because floyd is the recipient of those phone calls where i'm just sort of staring into space because when you work on something that long and then for me as a journalist when we were approached about the television show like that's not new like it's it's I'm sorry, that's not new. That is new, is what I meant to say. Like that was that was something that we didn't know how to process at the time. I sure as hell didn't. And it became something that like added a an extra level of stress. It was a great opportunity. I feel like I'm a coach right now talking, but like um it was all hard and and I hope we got it all right. I feel like we did, and now gotta figure out what's next.
2: You just the the hardest part of that. You're gonna freak me the hell out. (laughs) No, I mean, like throughout that process, I think I realized at the end of it that one of the hardest parts was that we realized during the process and during the reporting that more or less, and I'll be kind of charitable about it, everyone was telling their own specific side of the story, whether that was true or not. And it became just a complete mind game because you realize that everyone's probably lying to you, everyone. Mm-hmm. and figuring out where the truth was coming from or why these people were telling us what they were telling us. Um, that took hours and hours and hours of phone calls and follow-ups and everything else. And and you basically got into a situation where you could no longer trust anyone that was talking to you because they all had their version of the story. They all had, had their version of the truth. And it became really, really hard to separate and dig down into. Um, and that was probably the hardest part and the, the most mentally taxing part till the end because you had no idea who to trust.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and to me, it's if you take anything away from the story, it's that everyone does lie, and the reason they're lying is self-preservation, and the reason they're having to preserve their self-worth in in such a damaging way, in such a deceitful way, is the business model and the setup created by the NCAA. (laughs) Yeah, but I think that. I, I was going to say, I think that about does it unless Bill, if, um, God, I feel like I have to put together a, a pitch sheet for you tomorrow on what I'm doing.
1: Well, I just know that <laughs> the way my, I, I, you know, we're, we're kind of different in this regard, but like, I, I, I start get stressing out if uh, I don't know what I'm doing next, but, but I also didn't uh, chase something this big before. So you, you, what's next for you is Pensacola. Yeah. And, by, and the way, Pensacola. by the way, how's James Carville, uh, you know, how, 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 long did you guys hang out?
0: So common misconception there. Um, and, and it was weird cause I, I told folks, if you had questions about the TV show stuff, like I'm really bad at keeping NDAs, believe me, my bosses know I was just going to spill on the TV show. I did not get to interview James Carville. <laughs> we had to send us, we had to send a second unit because one Carville keeps an incredible schedule. He was leaving to go to, uh, somewhere in Asia for two weeks. Yeah. We had a window of time in which I could not even from Nashville get down to New Orleans and then up to New York where we were doing post-production. So we sent a second unit and we created the questions for him. Um, so that kind of sucked. You, that's it, the, you're that's you the fifth or sixth person in the last 24 <laughs> hours who asked me, like, what was it like with James Carville? And I am not on the other end of that camera. Every other interview you see in the piece with the exception of I think one other I am there
1: for. Bummer.
0: Yeah, I know. And then you can also just watch me slowly dying um, as Floyd. That was Floyd's favorite part. Floyd kind of came in um, as one of the producers on the show and had to review a lot of the footage and and double check. And and really, he was tasked with something that's never really been done before, which is – you know, managing the, the construction of these two different en- entities simultaneously. And in doing so, he would always call me and laugh about how terrible I looked progressively as if you, if you went chronologically in the footage, you could just see the stress eating me alive. So <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> I need to go
2: get a physical. There's, there's a, because of the magic TV, one of those scenes and it's interspersed throughout it was shot well after the fact, kind of as things are winding down and you could really see the progression. It was beautiful. Um, I thought you hit rock bottom when you were at the egg bowl, kind of dressed up in the in the beanie yeah, and everything yeah. else they showed you on the sideline. Look, I, yeah, I okay. like, have a It was cold.
0: Worst. No, no, no. It was freezing cold. Oh yeah. And I have a large head, so if I put on like one of those Carhartt like skull cap things, it just looks like a giant furry mushroom top. I look like Toad
2: from from. <laughs> No, remarkably shot you sitting outside, like, exhaling in the cold air. And I was like, oh, man, this is not a great place. But anyway, yeah, long ex- story ex- short, I thought uh, that was on the bottom, but
1: it was not. <laughs> ex-
0: exhaling in the cold air. That's all I was exhaling, as far as anybody's concerned. <laughs> um, all
2: right, guys. But uh, you're, you're, when you get to the scene in New work, we wonder if you're okay. You were okay. um, And it uh, turned out well. And it was a ton of work that was, like, really cool to see come together and kind of get to ride along with. So it was a long, long two years, but – um got to
1: help the story out of it. And let me let me ask you this
2: to finish up just yes. so you know as an apology
1: yes. for stressing yes. you out 10 minutes ago. Uh who of of all the you've gotten a lot of compliments in the last week. What which compliment have you received? What was absolutely your oh my god that feels so good that they think this is a good story.
0: Oh man. Um that my wife came my wife liked the piece um, because she knows how hard of a critic, uh, uh, her, uh, she knows how hard of a critic I am on myself. And she mm-hmm. knows that she can't just BS me to make me feel better. And so that she genuinely liked the piece made me very happy because I put my family through hell to get this thing done. And then um, I'll throw you a curveball. outside of the people I work for and the people I work with. Um, you know, I, I don't subscribe to the congratulations Twitter theory at all. And most journalists are assholes. So I'm not, I've, I've trained myself not to look for affirmation from my peer group because they're usually miserable. But um, we talked about this over the weekend in our work Slack. There was a guy who, a video game developer who made a Far Cry game, and he was like raving about the show and the and the the story. And I was like, "Hey, that's cool!" Like someone who does something completely else for a, for a living and also understands technical stress and organization. I was like, wow, that's neat. Like I am always way more interested in crossing over into some other world where people do completely different stuff than I am about like, who's the new cool kid in the journalism community, man. I, I could, I, I don't care. They could shoot Brooklyn into the sun for all I give a shit.
1: Well, I look forward to you, you know, get in a nice vacation, get into where, you know, the, the media tour is done and you're done talking about this. And then you can kind of just take a big, deep breath. Uh, and, and look back and be proud of what you did. You you did well. Thanks work wife. That's right. You did well. All
0: right, let's get out of here because you guys are making me feel uncomfortable. Um, (laughs) Bill, we will be back next week for part two of our vacation series with Mitch light from Athlon. We're going Mm -hmm. to talk about our contributions to our annual contributions to the Athlon sports college football preview. And then we, we will be back for real for our end of summer Maybe let's say two and a half hour special. And if we hit three, then you know what? Great.